Welcome to God's Truth. This is Dr. D. Todd Harrison as we continue to flood the earth with the truth of Jesus Christ. Welcome you today to our great lesson in the uh, Come Follow Me curriculum. This week, we're continuing our uh, series on Isaiah. We're looking at chapters 50 to 57 today, the so-called suffering servant passages, the messianic prophecies of the death and the atonement of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of that same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses, that I know him. He knows me, and of him I testify to you. He lives today. He sits enthroned in heavenly splendor, heavenly glory, sitting at the right hand of our heavenly Father. Let all the angels of heaven shout hallelujah and glory to the Lamb, and, and uh, blessed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout all the world. Let's look today at Isaiah's teachings of Jesus Christ and what a mighty prophet Isaiah was, how great detail he testified of the life and the death of Jesus Christ. I don't know how anyone could be, you know, I don't know how anyone could possibly read the book of Isaiah and not come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They ought to be spiritually blind and spiritually deaf in order to do so. Let's look today at Isaiah chapter 50. And we'll first take a look at verses 1 through 6. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of, you know, of your divorcement, of your mother's divorcement, right? You know, uh, you know, yes, I've allowed the Babylonians to come in to conquer you, destroy your temple, destroy your city, take you off to, to Babylon. Yet, Prove to me that I have divorced you, right? I have not divorced you. You've sold yourselves into slavery due to your sins and your wickedness. I told you that would happen. I warned you that would happen. I warned you through many prophets that that would happen. Yet you rejected the words of my servants, the prophets. You rejected my voice through the Holy Spirit confirming that truth to you. Now you've suffered the consequences of your own sins. Yet I have not divorced you. Yet I will still be there for you. Yet in the latter days, I will still gather you from all, throughout all the world. He says, of which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? I've not sold you. I've not sold you to anybody. I've been a faithful husband to you. Behold, for your iniquities, you have sold yourselves. And for your transgressions is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, there was no man to receive me. When I called, none answered. Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Do you think I have no power? You wanted to rely on, on the Egyptians to save you? You wanted to rely on these false gods uh, in modern uh, day in today's uh, world? They wanted to rely on these false uh, dead uh, creeds. Those creeds and those false gods cannot save you. They cannot redeem you. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ who can redeem you. Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea and let your people walk through on dry land. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh because there is no water and dieth for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make it sackcloth their covering. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He waketh morning by morning. He waketh my ear to hear as the learned, right? Jesus Christ was not formally educated in Jerusalem. He did not rise up as Paul did 
under the feet of the great rabbi Gamaliel, right? He, he did not have that kind of uh, learning, right? There, uh, his uh, uh, synagogue leaders in the land of Galilee would have been seen as small town folks. These are small town uh, religious leaders. These were not the religious establishment in Jerusalem. Jesus did not grow up under the tutelage of the most learned rabbis in Jerusalem at that time. Yet when he would speak, what would the people, what would the people's reaction be? We never heard anybody speak like this, right? Where does this man have all this great learning? You know, you know, we know his family, right? They're just from Galilee here. Where, where did he get all this great learning? Well, God blessed him with that, as he says here. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the Lord. Verse 5, the Lord God hath opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Jesus never rebelled against his father, even when it came time to die and to suffer horribly through the crucifixion. Yet he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane three times for his father to remove that from him, if possible. Yet nevertheless, not my will, Jesus said, but thine be done. So literally fulfilled again, Messianic prophecy. He did not turn back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. So he nevertheless, he did not turn away, did not uh, turn uh, turn away back. He went through this. He turned, went through, let him spit on him and hit him in the cheeks and, and all these things. Verse 10. Who is among you that feareth Yahweh? That obeyeth the voice of his servant, we saw that uh, walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Now, we've seen this earlier in Isaiah, the uh, prophecies, not only of Jesus Christ forthcoming, but also of the restoration of the gospel in the latter days. We've seen him testify multiple times of that great prophet, the prophet Joseph Smith, who would restore the church out of obscurity, out of this apostasy, out of this darkness for, for nearly, you know, 1800 years. So here is, uh, says that obeyeth the voice of a servant, once again, here being his prophecy of the prophet Joseph Smith. And again, going back about those who were walking in darkness, because they just had the apostasy for more than 1800 years without any living prophets, no living apostles, no ordinances uh, being carried forward by the power and authority of God to have that what was performed on the earth recorded and accepted in the heavens. They needed to restore the true gospel. They needed to restore Christianity. They needed to restore priesthood authority, living prophets to bring forth and to establish the power of God upon the earth and establish the recognition of God about upon these ordinances and to do away with those false images, those false creeds of a, a heretical Christianity. He says, uh, okay, so that does chapter 51. Uh, chapter 51, uh, excuse me, chapter 50, 51 here. Uh, let's look at verse 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, Ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit which ye are digged. Verse 3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden. 
and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. I've allowed the Babylonians to take you captive, destroy your cities, destroy your temple, destroy everything that you hold dear. And, and so it is with those who also in today's world sell themselves, as, they, as Jesus said here earlier, that they sold themselves into iniquity, into wickedness, suffer the consequences. So despite all the emotional baggage now that you have in your life and, and maybe even physical uh, 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 evidences of the time in which you uh, did not walk in the paths of God, uh, perhaps you uh, suffered some kind of illnesses and things as a result of your unfaithfulness to the Lord. Yet, despite all of that, despite the destruction, despite the uh, despite these things that have happened to you, just as he will restore the barren to the Garden of Eden, so he will restore you to a place of the of the uh, uh, beauty, a place of beauty, of a, a garden, a literal Garden of Eden. He says. Uh, and you shall have joy and gladness once more, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Verse 7. Hearken unto me that no righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of man, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. 10 through 11. Art thou not it which hath dried the sea? The waters of the great deep that hath made the depths of the sea away for the ransom to pass over, right? Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing and desire, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Doctrine and Covenants 133. We saw this in an earlier lesson where they had also prophesied of this great event in the latter days at some point yet to come. The ten lost tribes will be some kind of highway cast up, cast up out of the depths of the sea. The lost ten tribes will be coming along on this uh, on this road, and they come into the mountains to be crowned under the hand uh, for their blessings under the hands of Ephraim. That's exactly what he's talking about here, uh, Isaiah once again uh, here. And then there's been other scriptures here in the Old Testament, and then to, uh, say. It would be such a momentous experience of this highway being cast up out of the sea, people walking over on dry ground, that it shall no longer be said at that point. The Lord God who led the Israelites through the dry ground through the Red Sea, but the Lord God who led the 10 tribes up out of this, this highway and over on dry ground is going to be even more uh, glorious than the parting of the Red Sea. Let's look now. So that uh, that takes care of chapter 51. Now we'll look at 52, 2 through 3. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for nothing, and ye shall be redeemed without money. You sold yourselves for nothing, right? Yet I will redeem you for nothing. The gospel costs nothing, right? Uh, 7 through 11. Here we go. Here's the one that you all like, right? How beautiful upon the mountains of the Rocky Mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, 
Thy God reigneth, Latter-day Missionary Prophecy here that in the latter days there'll be tens of thousands of missionaries originating with mission calls directly out of the mountains, out of the Rocky Mountains from Salt Lake City, the headquarters of the church, to go forward and take the gospel among all nations and all peoples, all tongues. Literally fulfilled once again what a mighty prophet Isaiah. Thy watchman, thy prophets, uh, that you have true prophets in the latter days, right? shall lift up the voice. With the voice together, they shall sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Therefore, break into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people. Yea, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God as we continue to take the gospel throughout all the world, all the uh, ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from sins. Touch no unclean thing, leave the wicked, come unto the saints of God, join the, the God's church upon the earth so you can be a true member of his true religion, of his true Christianity. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. You know, he's gonna, God's going to pour out the great responsibility upon those who are members of his church in the latter days. Therefore, he would ask you to please be clean. You know, if you're going to represent him, you should do your best to uh, uh, live your life in such a way that you're a representative of him, not only with what you speak with your tongue and your lips, but also with the way and the manner in which you conduct your lives. 53. Here we go, Messianic Prophecy, Suffering Servant, here we go. Chapter 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, Jesus Christ, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness. And when ye shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's just going to look like any other man, right? He's nothing special about him. He's, he doesn't look like a, a you know, a, the most handsome celebrity. He, you know, he didn't look like the uh, top muscle builder in, uh, in ancient uh, ancient Israel, right? He didn't have anything like that, right? He just looked like a normal man. In fact, there's quite a few reports in the uh, in the ancient uh, uh, that uh, the records that he was actually quite short, right? That uh, uh, people misinterpret the story about. Zacchaeus, the tax collector who has to climb into the tree to see Jesus. It's not that Zacchaeus was short that he couldn't see over those in front of him. It's that Jesus was so short among the people walking through this procession that in order for him to get the best view, he had to climb the mountain, the, the tree to look down to see Jesus. And, and a lot of people misinterpret that and think it's the, Zacchaeus that's the short one. No, folks, it's Jesus that was the short one there. Okay. All right, so let's uh, continue on. And um, so there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's just a regular looking guy. He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was, a he was despised 
and we esteemed him not. In fact, the 12 apostles ran away, right? They ran away. Peter and one of the others uh, managed to make it uh, to see the trial, but then even Peter, right, denied knowing him three times. Uh, you know, so yeah, they, yeah, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. After all, the Old Testament, the, the Mosaic law said he that hangs on a tree is cursed, right? And so we just thought he had been cursed by God, right? He said the smitten of God and afflicted, right? But he was wounded. But the reality is he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. God took his furious anger against sin and placed that anger upon Jesus Christ and let it all out. Right? All we like sheep have gone astray. We all forsake him. We forsake him, right? He had uh, out of the thousand, out of the you know, he fed five thousand men, right? We assume they were married and had kids, so we assume that the feeding of the five thousand is twenty thousand. We had another set of four thousand men that he also fed, right? They had wives and children, so they were probably you know around sixteen thousand or so. He had thousands of followers, right? But what happened in the uh, in the end there? We had a couple of women, right? Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother, right? And John, right? At the foot of the cross, you have three out of the, uh, you know, out of all these thousands of supposed followers. So all like sheep ran away, right? The, uh, all, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. God took the sins of mankind and poured it upon Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. That was the thing that most infuriated the uh, the, the leaders in these trials, right? As they would uh, uh, try to get Jesus to uh, contradict himself and say something that uh, was worthy of death. Jesus would not open his mouth, right? Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before shearers is dumb. So he did not open his mouth. Literally fulfilled. Read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll read that. He was taken from prison and from judgment. He was in prison that night as soon as they had arrested him before the trial. Isaiah, I mean, he's this is incredible stuff. I don't know how anyone could read this and not be a Christian, right? He was taken from prison and from judgment, literally fulfilled. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. For the transgression, he died for the sins of the world. And he showed who shall declare his generation. He was young at the time, uh, you know. And, uh, uh, well, we'll just leave it at that, right? Did those who have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says here about verse eight, right? There's a great truth here, great doctrinal uh, the truth. A lot of people wonder about uh, whether a certain event uh, uh, or series of events happened in the life of Jesus. Well, here it is in the prophecy. So. Uh, you know the, the the sacred nature of it. Uh, they put it in prophecy. So that so therefore, in order to interpret and understand prophecy, you need to get the spirit of prophecy with you. If you have the spirit of prophecy with you, you will understand in full what they're talking about here in verse eight. Who shall declare his generation? Right. Okay. In verse nine, and he made his grave with the wicked. 
he died between two thieves on either side of him, right? Literally uh, fulfilled once again. And with the rich in his death, what happened? Joseph Arimathea, a rich man from Arimathea, who was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, came forward and asked Pilate for Jesus' body and buried him in his own tomb, which was fit for a rich uh, leader of Jerusalem, right? He was buried with the rich, literally fulfilled again prophecy. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased him to put his anger upon Jesus. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, again, dying for the sin, right? He shall see his seed. We became the spiritual sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Again, all fulfilled, beautiful prophecies here. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. He knows that he suffered was his suffering was a good thing. Therefore, he's satisfied looking back on it now. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Again, talking about dying for the sins of the world, for the iniquities of the world. Therefore, while I divide him a portion with the great, he will be honored. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord of all. And when the uh, strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many. How many times Isaiah has to keep saying that, trying to make this clear? So anyone reading Isaiah 53 should not doubt who they're talking about here. Just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see how many times, how many prophecies are being fulfilled here. And he bare the sin of many, again, right? And he made intercession for the transgressors, right? How many times? Like three times here to end the uh, end the chapter, right? Marvelous, marvelous. Okay, 50, moving on to 54. We'll look at verse 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. In the latter days, he's talked already multiple times. There's going to be an apostasy for 1,800 years. No true knowledge, no true doctrinal teaching of Jesus Christ will be upon the earth. They're going to develop these false gods, these false uh, creeds that are not based upon the Bible, but are based upon people's own imaginations, not having read or studied the Bible. Yet in the latter days, your children are going to be taught when he restores the prophets to the earth and the priests to keys. They shall be taught the truth. They shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. They shall have great peace knowing that they understand and know God's truth. 17. Here's one that everybody likes. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of not just the prophet, right? Not just the, but the servants of the Lord, plural, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. This blessing is for all God's faithful children and servants. Moving on to chapter 55. We'll look at verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. The gospel is free to all the world. It does not cost anything. We take the gospel and the knowledge of the gospel throughout all the world free of charge, right? 
Uh, let's look now at uh, three. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall spiritually live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the short mercies of David. Five through 12. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not. Here we go, right? So uh, as the uh, in the latter days, the Jewish people will call upon the nation, right? United States of America, Great Britain. He says, the nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee. So other nations also joining with those countries to uh, run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. And he went forth and, and they went forth in 1948 and established the state of Israel. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And not to our God, for he will abundantly, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Again, the promise of forgiveness is there, despite what you've done in your life, despite uh, uh, the thoughts, the imaginations, the the acts that you have done, that forgiveness is not far away from you. You come back unto God and he will forgive you of your sins. Here we go, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord, right? Glory of God is intelligence, right? The reason he is God is because he's more intelligent than all of us. Right? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower and the bread to the water. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It all has a purpose and a plan. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. In verse uh, 12, for you should go out with joy and be led with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Okay, moving to 56. Six through eight. And also in the latter days, when you've restored to it, when you've come back to the land of Israel, and also the sons of the stranger shall come. Uh, live among you there as well, that join themselves to the Lord, to serve him, and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and taketh hold of my covenant. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. And not only that, but the gospel is to all the world now, not just to the tribes of Israel. You don't have to be a descendant of one of the tribes of Israel to receive the gospel. Those who are not of the blood of Israel can also receive the gospel. You shall also come to the temple of God and be crowned with your blessings there. And, and uh, even then will I bring to my holy mountain to the temple and make them joyful in, that, in, in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. Now that's important, right? For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people, not just Judah, not just the 12 tribes, but for all people. 
And this is now going back against chapter one. Remember chapter one, he said, when you come to the temple and you raise your hands in prayer to me, all I see is blood. When you appear in your white uh, temple garments and uh, white temple clothing, all I see is, uh, uh, you know, scar scarlet and, uh, you know, purple and, uh, and, and scarlet red and the crimson and all these, uh, all these colors, right? But he, and I will not, and he says, I will not accept your sacrifices. But here he's saying, you come unto me and repent of your sins. I will accept your uh, offerings and your sacrifices. And his house shall be open for all people, despite your uh, genealogy, despite the tribes or the lands or the nations you come from. The Lord God, in verse 8, which gathereth the outcasts of Israel, saith, Yet will I gather not only Israel, but others to him, besides those that are gathered unto him, all the world, once again. Okay, now chapter 57, in verse 1. The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. What a glorious blessing. What a, what a great insight. What a great doctrinal theological point here in verse 1. Oftentimes, uh, righteous people die early, right? And people wonder, how did he die early? He was a righteous person. You don't know, as he says here, you have not laid it to your heart. You have not considered what may have happened to them later on in life. If God didn't, out of his mercy and his love, remove them from the earth. Remove them from mortality at that very point. You don't know what things they would have suffered after that. But he removed them because they were righteous. And he prevented them from suffering those things to come. Powerful verse here in verse 1. In 13 through 21. When you cry, let thy companies deliver thee. But the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that putteth his trust in me, the Lord God, shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. They shall be able to go to the temple. They shall uh, possess the land, not only here in this earth, but in the world to come as this earth becomes the celestial kingdom, right? With God living here upon this earth, right? So they shall possess the land. Verse 14, and shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. We won't want to go too deep right now into that verse <laughs> at this point in time. But that's a, that's a loaded, loaded phrase, folks. That's involving theoretical physics and all kinds of great stuff here, right? Uh, that inhabiteth eternity. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to you right now. Whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Those are who God wants around him. Those who are contrite and humble spirit, not the proud and the lofty. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever. I will not contend. I'm contending with you. I have to keep begging you to repent. I'm contending with you. I will not do that forever. Neither will I always be wroth. I'll just let you go do your own thing, and I, you know, I won't be angry anymore. Just 
you know, depart from me, ye that love iniquity, and uh, well, just let it be at that, right? For the spirit shall fail before me and the souls which I have made. I know that there's going to be souls that shall fail, right? It's not a surprise to God, right? God's not surprised that most people choose wickedness and uh, choose to follow Satan rather than follow him, right? And it's, it's no surprise to God. He knew that. He created these people. He knows that. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me and was wroth, and he went on frowardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace, to him that is far off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will hear, heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. We've seen, and that's not the first time we've seen this. We have seen this in other occasions, that there is no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord God, the Lord God who does not lie, whose every word is true and truth. He's saying there is no peace for the wicked. So these people who are wicked and they're, they're rejecting the church, rejected, rejecting God from their lives and trying to tell you, oh, uh, since I stopped uh, uh, being religious, since I stopped following God, since I stopped going to church, I feel at peace. You can be assured with the, from the words of the Lord God himself, that person is lying to you. That is not true. That is totally contrary to what God has said here in the scriptures. Don't let them fool you. They have no peace. How can they possibly have peace knowing that the course that they are on is going to lead to weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth? It's going to lead to being burned in a furnace, as Jesus Christ says. It's going to be locked up in the bottomless pit. Now, all these horrible things that the scriptures use to define what happens to the wicked. Therefore, they can't have no peace. It's not possible to have peace knowing deep in your heart that that's the, the course that you're on that's leading to those kinds of results. They have no peace. They may lie. They may tell you that, oh, I feel so happy now. Oh, I feel so at peace now. That is a lie. That is a lie. That is a lie. They've learned to lie from their father, the devil, who, as Jesus said, is the father of all lies. Don't listen to them. They're not telling you the truth. Once people start to tell you things that are not true, they lose credibility. Now, if you can't trust them and believe them on that thing, what else can you, you know, what other things do you need to be careful that you don't believe them on, right? They've lost credibility now. You can't trust them in very many things now, right? Yet, what are the blessings that God has promised to the faithful? Peace, <laughs> the complete opposite, right? For the wicked, there is no peace. For the righteous, there is peace, right? The peace only comes to the righteous. Joy only comes to the righteous. Uh, happiness only comes to the righteous. That's the Lord God, the God who does not lie, the God whose every word is truth. That is what God says. That is God's truth. For those of you who are not yet members of God's truth, that's not member of God's true kingdom and church upon the earth. We invite you with wide open arms to come unto the missionaries. Let them know you're ready to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian, being baptized by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. 
the prison authority of God has been restored here in the latter days in fulfillment of the prophecies of the great prophet Isaiah, as we've looked at over the past several weeks. I will leave a in the description of this video a link. Just click on it. Reach the, out to the missionaries. Let them know you're ready to accept Jesus Christ into your lives and to follow him into his church and kingdom upon the earth and to begin that process of preparing yourselves to enter into his heavenly kingdom forever and ever to dwell in everlasting peace, joy, and happiness. Those of you who have fallen to inactivity in the church, we welcome you to come on back. Come back to true peace, happiness, and joy as God has promised here in the scriptures dozens and dozens of times. We love you. We pray for you. We again leave with you our blessing that you shall be blessed in your incomings and in your outgoings, that you shall have the necessary financial resources to accomplish the plan that God has for you in your lives. We bless you with the health and strength that you need to be a servant of God in the sphere of influence in which God has placed you, that you can be a, a blessing to your family, that you can be a blessing to your neighbors, that you can be a blessing to your to your friends and helping them to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ and his restored gospel in these latter days. We bless you with these things. We testify of God's truth again today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.